Welcome to Mediocre Podcast. I'm Eric Winky. I'll be your host. <clears throat> I have to apologize today. Uh, we were going to have a uh, really good interview with one of the um, one of the elder uh, people from um, Rough Grouse Society Washington chapter. Uh, his name is Kevin Clemens. Uh, he's a very knowledgeable man. Uh, he heads up the portions of our RGS chapter that uh, deals with habitat restorations and field days. So I had an hour and some odd change uh, of time with him. We discussed a lot of things and I totally screwed it up. Somehow, after I hit the record button, uh, my recorder stopped, and I ended up with nothing. So, we are going to go for something else today, and let's see how this rolls. And Kevin promised me that in the future, we will uh, get a phone interview and, and try to reclaim that hour and 15 minutes of knowledge that I screwed up and dropped. So... My apologies for that, guys. Um, I've been at the Sportsman Show all day today. Met a lot of cool people. Um, found some people that were actually interested in, in my podcast, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, anyways, uh, talked to a lot of great people, a lot of first-time hunters, a lot of people get, wanting to get into hunting. And believe it or not, a lot of people that just did not know uh, or have never been grouse hunting uh which i thought just it almost it almost blows my mind because grouse hunting is probably the first thing i ever did uh, as a young hunter and it's still one of my favorites so uh hopefully uh, in the near future we will talk more about this and again my apologies go out uh, i really really was looking forward to that interview so uh, without further ado, we will start the podcast of Whether or Not. You better bundle up or you'll catch cold. How about don't forget your sunblock or you might get a sunburn. You don't want to end up looking like a lobster. Have you ever heard these? I've heard these. Um, these, these are all things that come to mind when I think of weather. Um, one other one that I think of, my grandfather used to always say, uh, weather's coming, I can feel it in my bones. You know, there's some truth to that. Uh, old injuries, uh, scar tissue you are more susceptible to barometric pressure changes, which is what causes weather. Well, not causes weather, but it's what happens when you have a cold front uh, meeting a warm front. It changes the barometric pressures. I'm no expert in this. I'm definitely not a meteorologist, but I know enough to know when to bundle up, when to layer down, when to go home. So, today we're going to talk about a little bit about weather, 
and then a little bit about clothing to compensate that weather. So first of all, let's talk weather, okay? What is weather? Weather means it can be sunny, it can be hot, it can be rainy, overcast, snowing, cold, wet, dry. All these things um, are going to change our experiences outside. Uh, some for the better, some for the worse. If you're not prepared, it can definitely be worse. But, while outside with the right weather, it could actually mean success, uh, depending on if you're prepared or not. <clears throat> what do you feel and what do you see when you're outside? Well, temperature is easy for the most part. Uh, your skin has a lot of receptors. You can tell, most people can tell if it's hot or cold outside. Uh, most people can visually see if there's weather or not. But you not, might not be able to tell what's coming. I mean, that's kind of what I want to get at. I mean, I know everybody's got a phone. Everybody's got a computer. We all have apps that tell us what the weather are, weather is, weather was. Uh, we always can watch TV and, and, and watch the local meteorologist and give us an overview. But let's say you don't have that stuff. Let's say you have no cell phone service. Let's say you're five miles in the backcountry. You need to know what the weather's going to do. Um, so... These are just some tips and, and stuff that I use to tell whether, just to give me a basic understanding of what I'm in for. What does it feel like? Does it feel moist out? Does it feel cold out? Does it feel hot out? Does it feel dry? Do you see clouds on the horizon? Which way is the wind blowing? Can you feel it on the back of your neck or on your face? Uh, these are all clues of what, what's going on. <clears throat> so, let's start with wind. You've probably all seen a movie some point in your life where you see somebody lick their finger and hold it up in the air, and they say, oh, the wind's out of the southwest. Well, there's some truth to that. Um... The reason that works is because when your finger is wet, it's more sensitive. Um, moist skin is, is more sensitive to, to feeling. Uh, so you can actually lick your finger, hold it in the air, and if you're concentrated enough, you can actually feel the difference between the windward side of your finger and the leeward side of your finger being... The side the wind is hitting and the side the wind is not hitting. Uh, so, with that little bit of knowledge, you can decide which direction the weather is coming from. Now, there's thermals and there's loft winds and all kinds of little microclimates and different things that I'm sure people could argue with me. That make a difference uh, depending on where you're at on topography, but for the most part, this is a very 
simplistic way of telling which way the weather's coming from. Uh, the second part of that would be the clouds. Um, you might have a foggy, overcast day, and you just can't tell which way anything is going. But most days, you should be able to tell some direction. Um, <clears throat> so, clouds. Now that we know that which way our wind is coming, now we can look on that horizon to see what the clouds look like. The incoming clouds. Um, I don't know if you guys remember this from grade school, but there's four basic clouds. There's the cumulus, cirrus, stratus, and nimbus. Um, a little definition on those. Now, myself, I knew some of these, but I did have to look them up to make sure that I wasn't telling you guys falsities. So, bear with me. I just wrote some basic stuff down just to give you guys an idea of what we're looking at here. So... The cirrus clouds are the feathery, long, sleek-looking clouds that are really high up. Um, you kind of, they kind of sometimes even look like really skinny fingers and hands. These these kind of clouds are really high up in the sky, um, usually over ten thousand feet, and what they usually tell me is. Uh, that I have a higher pressure over top of me, and that usually I got some some winds or maybe some weather far off that, you know, may or may not show up. There's a little bit of moisture in the air, but it's way up there. Um, and then you have your, your stratus clouds. Uh, they're kind of a long, lazy cloud. I think of these more of like, Maybe, maybe your overcast clouds that you really don't you really don't carry any moisture, but they just they just kind of grayish and just big blankets, and they just kind of cover large areas and and kind of just block out the blue sky. Um, not usually so much to worry about there, but it's just kind of there's. There's some weather in the area, but nothing, nothing catastrophic. Um, and then you have your nimbus clouds, which are low-lying clouds, usually a darker cloud. Um, they look like big cotton balls um, stuck together. You know, they're just kind of like a like a little mass. Um, these are kind of the fluffy ones, but they're usually dark in color for the most part. Uh, these are usually your rain clouds. And then you have your cumulus clouds, which are similar to nimbus clouds, but they're big and puffy, but they have um, vertical expansion, meaning they just kind of, the bottom of them are, are low, you know, like say 7,000 feet, maybe lower, down to 5,000 feet. But if you look at it, if you just look at it as it's coming in, it just looks like that that cloud goes all the way up to space. Like, it's just, there's there's nothing above it. You can't see above it. You can't see below it. It's just this massive wall of cloud. Those are your big storm clouds. Those are the ones that are like, uh-oh, I better be prepared for whatever that has. Because you never know. It could be rain. It could be hail, snow. Uh, but usually those clouds are a cloud that likes to build up and cause lots of weather. So, uh, that's 
that's my knowledge on clouds, but now you have one of these cloud systems come in, and I highly recommend just get on Google and look up cloud formations. Uh, that's kind of where I got my information. That's where I double-checked what I'm telling you. Um, do some research on this stuff. It's If you're going to be outside, you might as well be prepared. And being prepared means knowing what's going on and how to dress for it. Uh, so, there's my spiel on clouds. Like I said, I'm not a meteorologist, but let's, uh, let's move on. <clears throat> if you can read the incoming weather, then you know how to predict, for the most part, what you need to wear. Um, animals are another good sign. If you see animals moving, usually if it's calm out, and you see some clouds and some, and you have a little bit of wind, and you all of a sudden see animals stirring, moving about maybe midday that they normally wouldn't be. That's probably a good indication that you have some weather coming. Animals are a lot more sensitive to barometric pressure, and they can feel storms or sense storms, however you want to say it. And they usually will get out and feed early in the day to try to get fed and get back to a bedding area and and weigh out the storm. So animals know um, you can tell too if you if you pay attention to this. Now there are some caveats to this. Um, this does not work if you walk out your front door check your weather, and then drive 60 miles to wherever you're going to hunt. You're not going to be able to accurately tell the weather. You're not going to be able to plan the right clothing in this situation. Now, you might get lucky, and maybe it's just a day where it's just nice everywhere, or maybe it's just crappy everywhere. But, more than likely, if you're gaining elevation, or you're going from one one area to another area, you're going to have different weather. So, if you are traveling, wait till you get to where you are, then check your weather, and then clothing accordingly. These aren't the best way. Obviously, phones... TV, meteorologists, preparing ahead of time is the best way to know what your weather's going to be. The tactics I just explained and, and the things that I was just talking about are more of a survival tactic or if you have no other means. But they're a great tool to practice, and I practice them every time I go outside. A smartphone, get yourself a TV, radio, whatever you have, listen to your weather, Pay attention to what your surroundings are. There's a thing called SA, situational awareness. It's, it's a thing we use in the fire service. And it's basically, you know, pay attention to your surroundings. Pay attention to what's going on around you at all times. So there's, there's a little saying uh, in the wildland fire world that is called keep your SA up, right? As in pay attention to what's going on around you because it'll keep you alive. Uh, so keep your weather essay up, and you'll have a much better time out in the field.
So this brings me into clothing. Um, now, what I'm hoping to gather out of this podcast is a demographic that is not familiar with the outdoors. Uh, hopefully, everybody has some some kind of experience, and I'm just dumbing this down to the absolute lowest common denominator because I want everybody to be able to be at the same level at some point. I want I want to start at the absolute basic of somebody that has nothing, knows nothing, and has never done anything. And from there, I want to work all of you into experienced outdoorsmen. So bear with me if some of this stuff is below you or redundant uh, or it's just not amusing to you. Somebody out there, I'm sure, will find this interesting. Clothing. We have three basic layers that I like to use. So layering with clothing in the outdoors is an absolute must. Um, you can't just you just can't go outside with with one layer of clothing on. Um, things change too much. It might be I mean if you let's say you're in the desert, okay? It might be ninety to hundred degrees in the daytime. But it might be freezing, like literally freezing, below 32 degrees at night. You will never survive with the wrong clothing. You're either going to overheat in the daytime, or you're going to freeze to death at night. So, you have to layer. And depending on how, what your activity level is, and how you're going about your day, even in a 50 degree day, your body temperature can can get you can overheat or you can you know sweat and then it could cool down and you can you know get hypothermia your body your body does not like to as a warm-blooded animal your body does not like to fluctuate its core temperature more than a couple degrees either way a couple degrees too hot and you're not going to do so well a couple degrees too low and you're not going to do so well so Hypo, meaning low, and hyper, meaning high, right? So hypothermic, meaning that your body temperature is low, and hyperthermic, meaning that your body temperature is too high. These are both bad. We want to keep our core body temperature at 98.6, and that's where we want to stay. The way we do that is by layering. So first layer is what I call a base layer, and then we have a mid layer and an outer layer. With these three layers, you can mix and match throughout the day to meet the needs of your environment and your body. So, first of all, the base layer. <clears throat> this layer, uh, I usually call the wicking layer. Some people make use a insulation layer here, and back in the day, usually would see like cotton long johns or silk long johns as the base layer. Uh, I think that's wrong. Uh, I think with the technology we have today, um, I like to consider the base layer a wicking layer. What I mean by wicking layer is I mean that a layer of clothing that is tied against your body that pulls sweat and moisture away from your body and into the atmosphere. Now, as far as I know, there's two products that work this way. One is a uh, poly blend material uh 
some of the brand names or our Under Armour. Uh, I think it's polypropylene might be the right term for the type of material it is. Uh, but like your Under Armour uh, base layers uh, is what I'm thinking of. The only thing I don't like about those is that uh, the sweat gets trapped in this material and bacteria starts uh, on this stuff and it, and it gets foul. Um, it smells like gym locker room socks after a while. Like it just, it gets gross. Especially if you got a couple days of funk. Um, the other uh, material that I prefer, which I'm sure you guys have heard me say this over the last couple podcasts, but merino wool. Uh, merino wool base layer. It's, it's, it's thin, it's comfortable, it's flexible. It does not lose its shape as bad as some other materials uh, over several days of use. Uh, and the great thing about the merino wool, for whatever reason, like I've said before with the socks and other things, it does not bacteria it does not smell and this might gross some people out and I'm sure I, I it grosses me out to say it but I had to try this uh, I had a pair of merino wool underwear I wore during fire season which is you know anywhere from 85 to 95 degrees out middle of August I wore those same underwear without showering for nine days now I know what you're saying that is absolutely disgusting, and I agree. It was absolutely disgusting, but I did it to prove a point. The point is, is after nine days, I did not have chafing. I did not have raw spots. I did not have uh, sweaty parts, and the worst part of it all is you have to give them the sniff test. I mean, nine days, you got to give them the sniff test, as gross as that is, and honestly, there was zero funk. No smell. Nine days. Now, I, I will endorse that product. Merino wool is the way to go. Now, that particular product, I, like I said, I don't have sponsors or anything, so I don't really want to give out a bunch of sponsor stuff, but those particular uh, underwear were a First Light product. Uh, they were extremely expensive, totally worth it. You think about what you would pay for nine pairs of underwear, and... I only had to carry one on my body. I didn't have to pack eight other pairs of underwear in my bag. And I feel like I had less problems downstairs as far as rubbing and chafing and, and uh, irritation on that one pair than I would have if I would have worn nine different pairs. Anyways, uh, take that for what it for what you will, but... It was an amazing test that I thought, I never thought in a million years that I would get those kind of results out of it. So, back to the base layers. So, you want usually a long sleeve base layer shirt. Um, and, and I know some people that maybe aren't familiar with this product, with merino wool, might think that wool like your grandfather's wool and you're like, man, that's itchy and it's thick and it's heavy and... No, this is not wool. This is not sheep's wool. This is a completely different product. It's soft. It does not itch at all. It forms your body. It's somewhat elastic. Uh, it's super thin. I I wear a merino uh, wicking base layer shirt all early elk season, all September and October. I, I wear them every day. Um, they're great. And I wear a pair of their... Um, 
this this particular ones I have, speci- specific ones that I have, uh, I wear their long boxer briefs, and that is that is my base layer. Now, as it gets colder, I'm going to wear you know probably a full like a long john or a full legging or uh, what's another thing uh, like a uh, like a yoga pant for for dudes, I guess. And and women, they can they can wear them too. But a full length underpant. It's tight fitting. It's form fitting. It's just like long underwear. Um, but it's it's a th- super thin product. And where this base layer, this wicking thing comes in, is that by pulling that sweat away from your body, when you're you're not, if you have if you're if you're working hard. If you're working hard and you're sweating, okay, your clothes hold that in and hold it against your body. Because the whole point of you sweating, the reason you sweat is to cool your body down when it gets hot. The problem is, if you have a lot of clothing on and say you're hiking up a mountain vigorously, you're building up a lot of sweat. Well, that, that sweat, that wet is staying in. Now, as soon as you, say, get to the top of the mountain and it's 20 degrees cooler and you're on the windward side and you have a 20 mile an hour wind blowing at you and you start glassing. That wet moisture is just like licking your finger, right? Like, But it's your whole body. And now your whole body is sensitive to it. It's cooling you off to a point where you will start shivering. And eventually you can lower your core body temperature and become hypothermic, right? So... The base layer pull, excuse me, the wicking base layer pulls that moisture away from your body and lets it evaporate into the air. Or at least pull it into the next layer of clothing so it's not against your skin, it's not keeping you cool. You stay dry, you stay warm. And vice versa. If I'm out in the heat and I got this nice protect long sleeve protective layer of clothing on, so I'm not getting UV rays all over my body and and cancer all over myself but it's light or it's light enough and as it pulls that that moisture away from my body into that layer off my body the breeze hits it and it cools me down and then it evaporates i stay dry i don't get chafing it it's just it's just a great product anyways i think you get the point i'll quit rambling about the wicking layer but anyways wicking layer base layer Synthetic polypropylene or merino wool. Uh, so my mid layer is going to be what I refer to as an insulation layer. Now, you guys are smart people. You figured out how to make a podcast work on your phone or on your computer or your tablet. I know you can do this research. Any major outdoor clothing company... I'm sure has some sort of method to their layering system. And I'm sure there's plenty of other podcasters out there that have information on this. For a mid-layer, what I like to use, and what I call it, is the insulation layer. So this layer is going to be where you get your warmth. The first layer is your wicking layer that pulls the moisture away from your body, keeps your body dry and keeps it from getting cold or too hot, and from chafing. Big is chafing. The mid layer is the insulation layer. That's where 
your sweatshirts, uh, your sweaters, um, gosh, puffies, maybe, maybe a heavy flannel, uh, things with insulation value. Now, insulation works by airspace. So you want a puffier, thicker piece of material. That material has airspace in it, it has air pockets in it, and that traps heat. Okay? That's that's how insulation works. If you ever look, you know, if you ever kicked a hole in the side of your wall, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure nobody's ever done that. But if you ever have, uh, you notice that pink stuff in there in the, in the inside the wall behind the sheetrock? That's the insulation. It's soft. It's really itchy, so I don't recommend this, but uh, to touch it. But what that's doing is it's filling up a gap between the outer wall and the inner wall. And it has a lot of porous holes in it, which create air pockets. Those air pockets trap heat. The heat then reverbs back into the room, warming up. Just like it reverbs back to, towards your body, warms your body up. Okay. Same way blankets work. Um, anyways, enough of that. You can research it. Insulation layer. You want stuff that is going to keep you warm. Puffy jackets, down jackets, um, fleeces, sweaters, uh, all different kinds of material. Actual real wool. Uh, heavier, heavier, thicker merino wool. All these things can be used as a as your mid layer, and then your outer layer is what I call your shell or your protective layer. And this layer is going to, uh, hopefully, I mean, it, it, depending on your application, but it's going to be for me and where I live, it's going to be waterproof. Hopefully, uh, preferably windproof, but or maybe at least water resistant um and some of these products can be uh I, I consider this the outer shell right like this is this is the layer that's dealing with the weather this is what's keeping the weather out and you in uh and keeping you warm and dry or cool and dry and the opposite <clears throat> okay so so there's I call this the outer shell. Um, I think, like I said, it's like the shield. Uh, rain clothing, uh, certain walls, certain other things uh, could be worn. There's a, there's a type of clothing that's called a soft shell. Um, if you got some of you guys hike and and uh, recreate, you probably laughing at me if you use for for butchering this, but, uh, soft shell is kind of like a North Face coat. It's kind of that heavier material. It's got a little stretch in it. It's not necessarily waterproof, but you're not going to get soaking wet right away. Uh, I like it also, uh, especially like mid season because it's, I don't really need waterproof. It still breathes pretty good. But it will shed light snow and light rain. It's it, it moves good with your body. It's quiet, uh, and it dries fast. So uh, I like I like that soft shell stuff uh, mid season, and it, it it holds holds heat pretty good. Um, I do wear 
some there are some waterproof puffies out there that you can use as an outer shell if you want. But mainly what I'm I'm thinking of is like a windbreaker or a raincoat. Um, and there's and there's 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 all kinds of stuff. There's Gore-Tex. Uh, there's PVC. There's anything in between. Um, and it's just a light shell that's going to keep you from getting wet and cold so you can and you can enter you can intertwine these layers you can excuse me had to turn my notes page uh you got you gotta enter you can intertwine these layers right so you can you can you can wear a a base layer with a shell. So for like me, I hunt in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, it rains a lot. There is a lot of moisture on the ground during hunting season. And for me, I might just wear a wicking layer to kind of keep me dry and warm on the inside. And I might wear some just cheap PVC rain gear. And that the downside of PVC rain gear, it, it, it's really good at keeping water out, but it's not very good at letting water out keeping water from getting in but doesn't keep water from getting out meaning all that sweat is just sitting so i'm going to get wet from sweat or i'm going to get wet from rain the nice thing about having that base layer on is that base layer keeps that moisture between the wicking base layer and the outer shell rain gear it it's not on me and so you actually you might be a little damp, but you actually feel dry. Whereas if you're wearing cotton underneath rain gear, you just are drenched. You're soaking wet. You're miserable. It sucks. Um, so you can get rid of the mid-layer. Uh, if you live in a climate that's not wet and it's just maybe cooler, uh, you can wear a base layer and a mid-layer. Um, sometimes you can get away if it's, if it's 90 degrees out or 80 degrees out and you're, you're hunting somewhere, um, that is nice and warm and there's no weather, then you can wear a base layer and nothing else. Uh, you can mix and match these things. Uh, I can't really think of a situation, maybe duck hunting where I would wear, uh, maybe a mid layer and an outer layer, but at that point I might as well just wear the thin wicking layer and, Guarantee that I'm gonna be dry. Um, anyways, so so you can mix and match these. You can, like I said, some of these companies have their own systems. Uh, follow the manufacturer's recommendations on this stuff. Do some research on this stuff, guys, because I am by no means an expert. I just know a little bit about a lot of things. So, do your research. This is just a stepping stone. Figure out yourself, figure out how to do it, and make yourself comfortable. The other thing, you, you're probably thinking, man, this guy wants me to go out and spend $600 worth of gear. I, I can't afford that. Like, he's talking about all this high-end stuff and all this crap. Uh, no, I'm not. Uh, it might seem that way, but uh, a lot of my stuff... I've got from the Goodwill or I get from army surplus stores. Uh, people grow out of stuff or people don't like stuff anymore and they give it away. And guess what? There's nothing wrong with it. 
um, polypropylene. Uh, it's been used in the military for years. Any military surplus store, I guarantee you, has polypropylene. Uh, Under Armour's been out for so long, I guarantee you, you can go to Goodwill or a secondhand store and pick up some sort of uh, polypropylene. And now, merino wool might be a little harder to find, but it's also your base layer and probably your most used layer. So if you spend a little bit of money, uh, you know, if you're going to spend money on anything, I highly recommend spending the money on your base layer. Uh, you know, I mean, you can get hoodies, you can get uh, coats, I mean, all that stuff you, you can find. You don't have to spend a million dollars. And, you know, I know guys that used to, to just wear wool, like just wool, wool, wool coat, wool pants, wool socks. Um, you know, I mean, when I was a kid, I, I'd run steel-toed hand-me-down work boots and cotton socks and jeans and, and, and a hoodie. You know, that, that's what I hunted in. And you just, as long as you're not like my kids. My kids wear basketball shorts and sweatshirts all the time. That's all they wear. They wear knee-high socks and basketball shorts, which makes no sense to me. And low-top shoes and a hoodie. You are not going to last five minutes in the woods in that. Not only are you going to get your legs tore up and you're going to freeze to death, you're going to be so miserable, all you want to do is go home. So, prepare yourself for the outdoors. Don't be my kids. Um, another thing, just a quick side note, is there's been a big push over the last 20 years to have camouflage and to have hunting equipment, hunting clothing. It's it's a racket. It's a racket. Uh, there there's so many there's so much so many clothing options out there, and I and I guarantee you these high end hunting clothing companies they make great products, and I do wear some of them. Um, I've saved up over thirty years, and I have bought some, but you don't need them. You don't even need camouflage. All you need is earth tones, something darker colored, olive green, uh, browns. Uh, just just make sure if hunter orange is required, you wear your hunter orange. Um, you don't want to get in trouble and get shot accidentally. But in areas where it's not required, uh, you know, there used to be this thing where people thought that solid colors, deer and, and other animals could see your outline. Yeah, that may be true a little bit, but they're looking for movement more than anything. And I've actually seen a push lately of people going away from so much camouflage. And now, if you're archery hunting or you're turkey hunting or even if maybe you're duck hunting, yes, camouflage is is something that is very useful. Uh, a rifle hunting, um, even muzzleloading, it's just not it's just not that important and i would much rather you buy something that is comfortable and that is weatherproof than i would for you to spend that money on something that is camouflage and is not as quality 
which means if you have to go wear REI gear instead of wearing some kind of hunting gear, uh, because all you have is hiking equipment, that's much better than going down to Walmart and buying a $20 pair of camouflage cotton pants and freezing your butt off. So, side note done. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about is uh, covering your extremities. And when I mean covering your extremities, I mean the neck, the head, the hands, and then the feet. And since we've already talked about socks and boots in the last podcast, I'm not going to bring that up today. But let's talk about hats. Let's talk about uh, heat ex- escaping from the top of your head, right? Because it does, and then it escapes from your hands, and it escapes from your feet, and even your neck. Uh, so gloves, you know, if you have any cold weather or extremely wet weather, uh, I like to wear a pair of gloves. Um, it just, it keeps that heat in. Um, I, I like to wear, uh, verbally... Preferably some kind of uh, wool glove, actual wool. Um, they do make some merino wool gloves, fingerless gloves. I haven't tried them yet. Uh, I've heard good reviews from, from other people, but just some sort of hand covering. Uh, even a cotton glove, your hands are going to get wet. But at least with that cotton glove, it's, it's keeping the wind off of you. Uh, it's something. Um... We use gloves for all kinds of things. I mean, there's body substance isolation. And if you don't know what that means, that means keeping blood and crud and poo and everything else off you. Um, And latex gloves are good for that. Nothing, they're waterproof. Nothing can penetrate through them. Um, They're great for butchering and fuel dressing an animal. Um, or just dealing with gross situations you don't want to touch. Uh, cotton gloves are good for cool, uh, dry situations. Uh, the merino or wool gloves are good, especially fingerless gloves. Uh, wool and merino wool gloves are great for, say, like fishing or stuff where you need to use your fingers, but you want to keep your hands warm. Uh, they work great for that. There's Gore-Tex gloves, which is a lot of people use for, like, snow situations. Um, they're usually lighter, less bulky, but your hands... So you have some movement, but your hands are going to stay dry. And then leather gloves uh, just protect your hands from thorns and rope burns and rock cuts and all kinds of other situations you can find yourself in. So... Like, a leather glove is good for protecting. It's not so much good for insulating, but good for protecting. But uh, just remember, you know, taking care of your hands. And I mean, I know we're talking about heat and, and losing of heat through your extremities, but your hands, your po- imposable thumbs are what make us different than everything else, right? And we got to protect those. So means that we use our hands for everything, um, a good set of gloves, a couple different kinds of gloves uh, are always a good thing to have. And just about any kind of glove is going to keep, retain some heat in your, in your body. So, uh, gloves and hats. Uh, now we're talking heat and cold. 
So, I mean, there's baseball hats, there's beanies or stocking caps, uh, there's full brim hats, there's visors, uh, there's uh, animal skin hats with ear flaps, there's um, wool hats that uh, some people um, some people wear back east. I have one myself. Uh, they're called Stormy Cromers, and they're just a, a wool kind of baseball-looking hat, and then they got this cool strap on the back that folds down over your ears and, and covers your ears when it gets cold. Uh, it's not as good as a stocking cap but or a beanie, but they do work. Uh, they're a little they're a little fashionable and kind of kind of trendy. So, uh, but when it comes to hats, you're either trying to keep the sun out of your eyes and the sun off your off your head and neck. Or you're trying to keep heat from escaping off the top of your head. Um, I think that's all I need to say about hats. You guys can figure out the rest. It's pretty basic. But just remember your weather forecasting and pick a hat or head covering of some sort for your situation. And I highly recommend if you go outside, if you're going to spend any amount of time outside... You're going to want a head covering of some sort. You're going to want a pair of gloves of some sort. Um, these these are a must. Uh, throw them in your backpack if you're not going to wear them right away. Throw them in your pocket, whatever. Just make sure that you have them. Uh, and the last thing, which is not as of a, it's not really something I carry. Uh, my wife actually bought me. Uh, uh, one of these products this year, and I guess I do use it a little bit, but it's it's covering your neck. Um, some people don't think about it much, but a scarf or some kind of covering over the back of your neck um, will help with uh, keeping the sun off you. Um, and a scarf or, or something to wrap around your neck to keep you warm. Um, you, you actually have a lot of exposed neck, um, some more than others, but there is a fair amount of heat that, that you lose that way. Uh, my wife bought me this thing. Uh, I use it for duck hunting. I use it more for face masks, but it's, it's like this, um, it's like a, uh, not a felt, but a, uh, a fleece. It's like a fleece tube. And, uh, it reminds me of like a halter top or something, but it just, you slide it over your head and it basically just covers your neck. And you can pull it up around your ears and up around your nose. And uh, as, as stupid as I thought that thing was, uh, I use it quite a bit. It's actually pretty darn handy. You can actually even wear it as a hat if, if you really had to. Um, and then, you know, with heat, some people wear... Um, some kind of like flap covering off the back of their hat or maybe take a bandana and you know wear it in such a way that it covers the back of your neck uh to keep the sun off of it because if you've ever had blisters on your on your neck uh and your collar rub on it you know how about that sucks so uh hopefully this was helpful this was um whether or not so hopefully the next podcast, we will be talking about actually doing stuff outdoors now that I feel that you've got the basic 
things you need to enjoy the outdoors comfortably, being clothing, boots, and a pocket knife. Um, so stay tuned, and the next episode hopefully will be uh, more about activities outside. And again, I apologize for the mishaps with the Rough Grouse Society interview. Um, I will. I plan on getting that up soon. Um, and thanks for listening. Hey guys, thanks for listening to episode three. If you have something that you maybe want me to talk about, or maybe something you've been thinking about wanting an answer to, leave me a comment. Uh, if you have iTunes or Spotify, even Google Play, that's what you're listening to. Uh, there's usually an area down at the bottom of the uh, episode that you can leave a comment. Remember to hit that rightmost star. And if you can't find any of that stuff, you can always find me on Instagram. Uh, leave me a comment. Message me. And uh, I will try to get back to you guys and hopefully talk about what you want to talk about. So, thanks for listening, and have a good day.